0: We're going to finish the sermon we started last week, which I intended to be just a one-shot deal on the Wood City Music Festival weekend, and I couldn't get through it, so we uh, are bumping it to a two-parter, so different and united, part two. This is a sermon on the theology of the body of Christ, the theology of the church, and that theology is best summed up with this little phrase, different and and united. As believers in Jesus, we are different, but we are united. That is who we are and how we function, different and united. So I'm going to whip through some recap from last week, and if you're like, what was that? Then online you can listen to the... the sermon from last week goodhope.ag is the the website and you can listen to it and get caught up but I'm gonna I'm gonna whip through and do some recap uh, and then we're going to get into some new material that I didn't get to finish last time so different and united one of the things that the enemy has done in the church is create division. It's one of the devil's schemes. He's real good at it. He can create division between denominations inside local churches, division inside the family, even division personally where you're torn back and forth just by yourself. The enemy loves to tear us apart. And we need to be smarter than that and not yield to that divisive spirit from the enemy. And so we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and Uh, some of the verses we read were 11 through 13. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and they're having some seeds of divisiveness occurring inside the church. And this is what he says at the beginning of the book, chapter 1. My brothers, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. So the analogy to that would be in our world, either in the local church, you know, like, yeah, I'll listen to Pastor Mike, but not to Pastor Larry, or, you know, yeah, I really am here because of Vicky, but not because of Mike, that sort of a thing. They were picking the leaders inside the church that they felt were the best, or it could also be translated as, you know, yeah, well, good hope is the best, but. You know, journey's terrible, or or vineyard's the way it is, but grace is bad. You know, just picking, picking different groups, different ministries, different ministers. Is Christ divided? That's the question. Is Christ divided? Spiritually, no. There is one body. However, practically, we have divided. The body of Christ has divided. And so even though spiritually Christ is not divided, practically we're living out division. That's what we're doing. And it's not okay. Was Paul crucified for you? Was Pastor Mike crucified for you? No! Were you baptized into the name of Mike? No! (laughs) So let's understand we're following Christ. We're following God. We're not following good hope. We're not following Pastor Mike. We're not following whatever. We're following the Lord. And we're doing that together. And we have different roles and different functions inside the body. But Christ is not divided and we should not allow that to happen. Because there's one body. Romans chapter 12 verses 4 and 5. Again by way of recap. Just as each of us has one body with many members. And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we who are many... Form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, so just like I have one body and it I have different parts i 've got a, two knees and a bunch of toes and fingers, and all these different things they 're all different, you know even this pinky finger is different from this pinky finger, but they are all important for me to be able to function, and that 's how the body of Christ is, the church, the global church. We're different, but part of the same thing. And that means that you belong, if you are a believer in Jesus, you belong to the body, whether you want to or not. You are part of the body. And it also means, if they believe in Jesus, that they belong to the body, whether you want them to or not. Because they're part of the body. This is very important to understand. So, um, individuals are different, local churches and church organizations are different, denominations are different, but we're all united in service to Christ. For example, Good Hope is a church, we have a certain function. Young Life is a ministry outreach to high school students, different function. Samaritan's Purse is another organization with a different function. And we all work together in service to Christ. At least that's how it's supposed to work. So that's most of the recap. Let's pray and we'll get into some new material this morning. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us down here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your Spirit, and you guide us by your Word. So help us to see what you've got for us. Lord, each one of us is going through different things, and we're fighting different battles, and we're in a different place in life. And So I pray by your Spirit that you would touch each one of us with what we need to believe in you better and to serve you better. So bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So if we are different and united, how do we do that? How do we go forward different and united? First thing, let's understand why we are different. There's two reasons why we're different. Reason number one is a great reason, and it is by God's design. We are different by God's design. I am different from you. You are different from the next person. Good Hope is different from Young Life, which is different from Samaritan's Purse. We're different by God's design. One made for this purpose, another for that, so that we can work together for the kingdom of God. Not everyone can sing on key. Not everyone can put together a financial report. Not everyone can cook. Not everyone can do all the various functions necessary for the body of Christ to move forward. So we are created different by God's design to fill different roles in the body of Christ. That's one reason why we're different. Another reason why we're different is because of personal or organizational imperfections. Would you agree that sometimes we're different because there's something not quite working right? How you doing? Feeling good? Yeah? Have you noticed that sometimes the differences are based on mistakes? They're based on misunderstandings. They're based on, on various problems. So we might be different because there's something wrong. Now, which one of us is perfect? Any of us in here perfect? This is how I did it last night. It was way smoother. Um, how many people have grown in their faith? Raise your hand if you've grown in your faith. So you at least weren't perfect then right you've 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 made progress you've at least come from somewhere where you're going to be able to relate to people with imperfections so we have various imperfections and sometimes we see things wrong sometimes we do things wrong and this creates differences for example we should all be the same in our devotion to christ our level of devotion should be the same it's going to look different from person to person depending on your calling and and where you're at but all of us should be fully devoted to Christ. However, sometimes we have ups and downs, right? In our faith walk, sometimes we're there grabbing on to everything we can take hold of. Sometimes we're just tired and we're holding back from God and we're different then. Those are imperfections. There are personal imperfections and organizational imperfections how come there are so many denominations cuz people like to fight and they like to think that their little detail is better than your little detail and so they make different groups that's an imperfection it's a failure that's one reason why there's different groups another reason is cuz of god's design cuz we can't do everything we need other groups In order for us to go forward and be the body of Christ, different and united, we need to be able to handle both of these reasons for differences. We need to be able to handle God's design, and we need to be able to handle others' imperfections. We have to be able to handle both. If we can't handle both, there's going to be trouble. Are you with me so far? Excellent. So, how do we go forward? I've got three things. Three things that we'll try to cover in the next 18 minutes, and then we will pray. Thing number one don't destroy. If we're going to go forward different and united, don't destroy. Very important not to destroy. Now, I believe that the body of Christ has matured sufficiently to where we recognize that infighting is a bad thing. Are you with me? Infighting in the church is a bad thing. We're smart enough to realize that's the case. So, um, for example, when years ago, it seems like that was the, the idea was, well, let's do it right. Everybody else is doing it wrong. Let's split off. Make our own group because they're messed up and we're going to be right. And so there was lots of infighting and lots of splitting and it seemed like the thing to do. Uh, I think in the in the last hundred years more denominations have come to pass than ever in the history of the world. It's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, and so it was just sort of the thing to do. Let's Let's fight and split and do all that. I think we're smarter than that now. And so... You know, we covered the don't destroy some last week in 1st Corinthians 3:16 and 17. Let's look at that 1st Corinthians 3:16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? So this is an amazing verse. You yourselves, it means all y'all, the group is God's temple. In the Old Testament, Solomon built a temple. And it was magnificent and it expressed the glory of God to the world. But now, the temple is not a building. The church is not a building. The church is a group of people who are following Christ. We are the temple. Now, later on in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about your body being a temple of the Holy Spirit, so don't defile it. But this is talking about the group being the temple. The body of Christ is the temple. So, we are the temple of God that expresses the glory of God to the world. And God's Spirit, just like in the Old Testament temple, the dwelling place of God on earth, now the Spirit lives in the people who follow God. Verse 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred And you, plural you, all y'all, are that temple. So God takes this very, very seriously. We don't want to destroy, we don't want to rip apart the church. Now, an interesting verse that I want to talk about with this is Proverbs 18, 9. Proverbs 18.9, when we're talking about don't destroy. Proverbs 18.9 says, One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. I've got a garden. Planted it the end of May. Looked very nice. I weeded it in June. July I got kind of busy. Now it's the 21st of August. And the thing has just gone wild. So who destroyed my garden? Somebody wrecked my garden. Well, no. One who is slack is brother to one who destroys. If you don't keep it up, if you don't maintain, it falls apart just the same. And the church is like that. The body of Christ is like that. And... You're all sitting here in church this morning. So good for you. (laughs) This part is for you to share with those who are not engaging. Right? But I don't think as a Christian culture yet, we've figured out that disengaging does damage too. That just not being part of the cause of Christ is brother to one who destroys. We haven't figured that out because I've got a personal relationship with Jesus and I can worship Him in the woods just fine. Well, yeah, but you've got a role. You are part of the body of Christ. You need to engage or the thing you're supposed to do isn't going to happen. The person who is going to get a smile and a handshake or a hug on Sunday morning doesn't get it because you weren't here to give it. Whatever the case may be, we all have a role. And we need to realize that serving that function is essential. And one of the great schemes of the devil, besides division, is to get you to think that what you're doing isn't significant. I tell you the truth. If you smile at somebody and call them by name at church, it could change. It could change a lot. The seemingly insignificant things are often the most significant things. So don't underestimate that. (laughs) Trinette's trying her best with this one. We'll see how it goes. So first thing, don't destroy. Second thing, belong to all. Now this one applies when the differences are by God's design. In a little bit, we'll talk about when the differences are by personal or organizational imperfection. But when the differences are by God's design, then realize you belong to everyone. You're part of the whole thing. I belong to Samaritan's Purse and Young Life and Good Hope and the Ministerial Association and all these different things. I'm part of all of that because I'm a believer. And this is what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 21-23. through 23. 1 Corinthians 3. So then, no more boasting about men. No, no more talking about how awesome your church is compared to other churches. No more, no more of that. Let's talk about the Lord. Let's talk about Jesus. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. So does Grace Church belong to me? Oh yeah. I mean in the in the sense of like I don't own it. I don't own good hope either. Some people think, you know, like do you I, pff, I'm the pastor guy. I have a role just like everybody else. Uh you know, that's that's the way that works. But I'm part of grace because I'm a believer. And, you know, grace might be this hand and I might be that foot, but we're part of the same body, so we are, we are together. Same with Journey or any other group that's serving God and has grabbed hold of a real function in Christ. So realize you belong to all. So first thing, don't destroy. Very important. And don't destroy by backing away. Second thing, understand you belong to all. For example, oftentimes if you've got a strong calling, some people have a strong calling for evangelism. You know, they're just like, oh, we got to win the lost. We got to reach out into the darkest places in this world and we got to grab people from the pit and pull them into new life in Christ. And they're obsessed with that, and that's fantastic. Unless they say, so, you know, worship doesn't really matter. And discipleship doesn't really matter. And children's ministry doesn't really matter. And fellowship times don't really matter because we've got to win the lost. Well, guess what? You belong to all those different things. Whatever your calling is, you may think it's the most important thing in the world. And to you it is. But all those other callings are also vitally, vitally important. Because it's a body. Many parts serving different functions, and we belong to all. That's by God's design. What if the differences are due to personal or organizational imperfections? What do we do then? Strategy number three, put up with others. So, don't destroy. You belong to all and put up with others now, this applies to what we 'll read in Romans as disputable matters. This does not apply to destructive heresies to uh, false religion, to things that are are completely wrong so are we uh, are we connected with Islam and it 's all pretty much the same and no, absolutely not and there are destructive things inside the Christian world are we uh, do we belong to Westboro Baptist Church. Now, these are destructive, dangerous things. And so this only applies to disputable matters. Things like, should we sing hymns or contemporary worship songs? Should we read the King James or the NIV? Should the guy wear a robe when he stands up in front behind a big wooden thing? Or should he wear jeans and have a coffee cup? Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. Disputable matters. That's what this is talking about. Disputable matters. And so I've painted the obvious disputable matters and the obvious heresies. And there's a, there's a funny spot in the middle there. And we're not really going to go there. But we're going to talk about how do we deal with other people and other organizations and our own, our own organizations imperfections. We do that by putting up with others. Let's look at Romans chapter 14 starting in verse 1. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, in Romans, addresses this. And he does a magnificent job. So if you want to study Romans 14 through 15-7 on your own, read it over and over and over again. It's fantastic stuff. So this is how the Apostle Paul describes to the church in Rome how we deal with other people's imperfections. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. So what do we do with the weak faced Christian? Accept him without passing judgment on these things that they're messed up on. Hmm. Verse 2. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. So we don't get too hung up over diet anymore. I mean, that was a big deal in the New Testament times because they're going from the kosher laws into, you know, you can eat whatever. However, there are some people that eat fish on Fridays during Lent. So I I eat meat. I mean, I might eat fish. I just don't think about it. You know what I mean? Like I just eat whatever. Sometimes there might be a, a special on fish. And so, because it's Lent and it's Friday, so I might get this special. But it's not a religious thing for me. You know what I mean? It's like I have other ways of connecting with God. But hey, if somebody is trying to serve God, it's best they know how, and that means abstaining from certain foods on Fridays during Lent, and they're doing that unto the Lord, put up with that. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. We don't stand because we're perfect. We stand because we serve a God who is willing to wash our sins away, to take away our imperfections in his eyes, and allow us to stand before him when we are honestly serving him. So let's extend that grace to one another. Verse 5. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Should you go to church on Saturday or Sunday? Well, Saturday is the original Sabbath, but Sunday is the Lord's Day. And so, you know, blah, 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 blah. And all this stuff. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. What does that mean? That means don't just be like, ah, whatever, doesn't matter anyway. Search it out, pray about it, comb the scriptures, and come to a conviction and serve God with that conviction. And it might be different from other people's conviction, and that's okay. Let them do the same thing. Each one should be fully convinced even though they may come to different conclusions because of various imperfections. Verse 6. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. So I can eat a pork chop or a steak on Friday during Lent, give thanks, and it's all good. Amen? Someone else can have fish and give thanks, and it's all good. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. There you go, verse 7. For none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. We will all stand before God's judgment seat. So, here's the question. If I'm going to stand before God's judgment seat, and Heather's going to stand before God's judgment seat, what should we do? We should help each other get better, so that that day will go better. Right? We shouldn't be like, you've got this wrong. Oh, yeah, well, you've got that wrong. Well, then we both aren't improving. So what's the strategy? Knowing that person with their imperfections is going to have to stand before God. I should have some compassion, care about that person, try to help when it's appropriate. Verse 11. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself To God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, so if you're a past judgment person, there's something for you to fill that void with when you stop passing judgment. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. So we don't want to put an obstacle in front of them. There's a huge assumption that's going on here, and that is this that God is working on that person. God is dealing with them, trying to help them, and change them, and sanctify them, and grow them up. So don't get in the way of that process. Don't put a stumbling block in your brother's way. Verse 14. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. Look at that. If you're convinced that you need to eat fish on Friday to honor God during Lent, then you'd better eat fish on Friday to honor God during Lent. Because to you, that's where your conscience is at. Very good. Verse 15. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. So if you're rubbing your red meat in the face of somebody who's eating fish on Friday during Lent, you're doing wrong. Do not by your eating destroy your brother. For whom Christ died. That's so strong. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen to that. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Is it possible to destroy the work of God for the sake of food? Sure seems like it. I know a guy who refused to show up for his first week of pastoring a church because he wanted the entryway painted a new color and have it look nice for his first week to kind of create a new sense of we're going forward. But the church didn't have much money, and they didn't want to paint the entryway and spend that money, so he didn't come. He said, forget it, I'm not going, and he he didn't take the church because they wouldn't paint the entryway, and then that church closed. Is it possible to destroy the work of God over paint? Makes me angry. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that solve a lot of problems? (laughs) So it's Thanksgiving You got the whole family. They all got different attitudes. Talk about the football game, right? (laughs) Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Amen to that. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So if you have a conviction, follow that conviction. Even if it's wrong, you're honoring God through that. And if you break away from that, and you still have the conviction, then that's not good. Honor God with your convictions. Next verse. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So, who yields? The strong or the weak? The strong. The strong yield to help the weak. That's how it works. We don't expect the weak to be strong And rub it in their face. We yield to help the weak. So if you're having to yield. Maybe you like hymns better. But you're putting up with that. Because you know that contemporary Christian music. Will draw more people that don't know the Lord. Then that's a we who are strong. Ought to bear with. The failings. The imperfections. The things that aren't quite right. Of the weak. Not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. We're going to use verse 7 as our closing scripture. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up We're going to close here in just a moment. But verse 7 is powerful. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And again, this deals with the disputable matter category, not the destructive heresy category. We don't accept destructive heresies. But you know, there's a lot of people who are Honestly and imperfectly serving the Lord. And we are individually, if we are honestly serving the Lord, guess what? We're imperfectly serving the Lord as well. Do you want to know why God uses imperfect people? Have you noticed that? God will use imperfect people. You want to know why God uses imperfect people? No other option. That's... <laughs> that is why if there were a billion perfect people on the planet God would put them to good use but he uses imperfect people because that's who we are and so we've been accepted by God with our blemishes and our stains and we need to accept one another when we're honestly, honestly trying to serve the Lord we need to accept one another at the same time so let's pray We'll pray a, a group prayer, and then I'll invite people up for personal prayer. And let's just search our hearts. You know, this is a sermon about being part of the group and the cause of Christ and working together. But maybe you've got something else going on in your heart. You, you, you need to pledge a good conscience before the Lord and say, you know what? I want to serve Jesus. Y- you know, you can come, and, and the prayer teams will pray with you. Maybe you need physical healing. Come, and the prayer teams will pray with you doesn't matter what the need is, but let's pray and let's believe God to be the church, different and united. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your kindness and grace and your peace that you give us. Lord, we know you call us to be one. You call us to stand together. And Father, I pray that you would give us the capacity in our hearts to accept one another just as you have accepted us. So we thank you, Lord, for loving us when we were still sinners. We thank you, Lord, for washing our sins away and for bringing us into fellowship with you. Help us, Lord, to share that love and to share that grace inside the body of Christ and then out to this world. We give you praise and we honor you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.